Hello and welcome to what we hope will be the new era of Dungeon Boys. Or at least the beginning of a new era, a change, right? This is session zero. It has freshness. Yeah, before we begin our new campaign. The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. We're going to be playing a first module since we played... Uh, Curse of Strahd about a year ago. That was a lot of fun. We decided to make a change for Dungeon Boys. We're going to move away from the homebrew campaign that we've been doing for several years. Try something different. Try some modules. Hopefully some stuff where you listeners can say, Ooh, I played that. Let me tell you Let me tell you what I've done. Or you can just be like to yourself, That's interesting that you did it that way. You guys suck. Um, but either way, no matter what, we hope you enjoyed the show. And we're going to take a few minutes. This is going to be very short, I think, session zero where we kind of give you the hook of the of the campaign and explain who our characters are. Line and sinker sold separately. Line and sinker sold separately. Man. What, you know what? You guys aren't don't get to experience... Regis? Uh, All the stuff we cut out. <laughs> no. I, I was about to say, the listeners at home don't get to experience what it's like to sit at the tape at a table with just five of the funniest people who ever lived. There's an odor. Four. Yeah, four. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that one of those things where where um, where people say like every friend group has an annoying friend. If you can't pick out who it is, guess it's what? You, <laughs> you, you found him. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, we try to goof off a lot and laugh a lot. But I'm gonna give you kind of the explanation of this campaign very very briefly, not to give away anything to the players. And then the players are going to describe who they be and who their characters are. Okay? We're going to be playing The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. This is, I believe, the brand newest uh, Dungeons & Dragons module that's come out uh, in recent memory. It is about a fey carnival. A carnival that travels around. Um, it's it's linked to the the Fey Wild in a way. It's got these you know these Fey carnival owners, and it's very fairy-like. It's very whimsical. It's very fun. It's very stuff like that. Uh, but of course, as always with D and D, is there something dark lurking under the surface, or does does it lead somewhere else to cause trouble for the players, or is it really just a fun place to hang out uh, where the players will realize, man. Fun is fun, but I'd rather kill stuff and be close to death. Who knows? But our story definitely begin is going to begin in a carnival run by a bunch of fey folk. So expect whimsy. Expect fun. Expect hilarity. Expect uh, intrigue. And expect calliope noises. Josh will probably continue. No, no. You do your thing. You do your thing. <laughs> also, if you hear me talking about Josh editing this a lot, I'm just very excited that in this new era of Dungeon Boys, uh, Josh has agreed to be our sound engineer and edit uh, our episodes to where they sound hopefully a little bit better, and if not better, at least a little more interesting. So if you're, if you're like, man, this episode... This episode... My, my lord, there's just stuff in it. Thank goodness. Just don't thank me. Or goodness. Thank Josh. Y'all provide the stuff. Right. I just let you hear it good. Exactly. So hopefully that you're enjoying that as well. But the carnival. The Witchlight Carnival is where our story will begin. Who knows what's going to happen from there, but it's very exciting. Our characters have, uh, our players have made characters, and let's start in the same way we always start. Let's start with Josh explaining who he is, uh, and then who his character is, so you can have a 
uh, we'll definitely want a, a visual picture of your character, uh, then maybe explain who they who they are, where they come from, you know what you know class and race and stuff like that. And then at the end, we will wrap it back up by explaining what hooks you all to this particular adventure. So Josh, please take it away. <coughs> That'll do. I am me. Um, I am Josh. I am playing a shapeshifter. A Raven Queen Warlock named Meek. So, not Mike, not Meek, but Meek. Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Well, they all have names that are like just like single syllable, just like boom, that's it. Sure. So, as far as what I look like, whatever I feel like. So, that's the thing kind of behind shapeshifters is nobody sees like their actual face face. Like, the only time they reveal their, their true self is if they're like, you know, um, dead. Mm. So, or you know, rolling those death-saving throws, I guess, would be in yeah. in D and D. So, true, true Dungeon Boys fans will remember mm. that we dealt with a few shapeshifters at the beginning of the the whole shebang. Yeah, way back, like episode. You two. better not die in like another room because we'll walk in and be like, "Oh, that dude's dying." It's that guy. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be him. Mm. Let's go find Meek. <laughs> right? <laughs> he must be around here somewhere. No, so um, the um, the shapeshifters' backstory, if I'm remembering right, because it had a, li- a little bit more complexity to it, um, they were like a, a persecuted people and like the, the traveler god, god of travelers, something like that. They uh, like blessed them with the ability to like blend in with like anybody wherever they go, so... That's like their their thing. It's like a racial ability. They just like they can take on a, a mask, which is like I see a person who's walking by, and it's like okay, I'm gonna be that person for a second, so I can like slip through this door, like look one like like one of the guards or something. Or mm-hmm. uh, they have personas, and personas are like passed down through generations. So like that's what I read in the uh, in the the description of it. Like your your town might have a healer who's like a um, a <coughs> shapeshifter. Well, there's actually like three of them. And they just take the same persona. Mm. And like whoever's on duty at the moment, they have the same persona. So it always looks like the same healer's there. And what is what is your actual race? Are you doppelganger or Shapeshifter? A... Okay. She in the manual. I looked it up. There's a difference between shifter and shapeshifter. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And there's yeah. a difference like, in the doppelganger, it's a whole third thing. To anybody on I YouTube, they look kinda like like elves. If we can see it, yeah. They look like kind of elves. like Elvish? Yeah, they look kind of like Elvish. They have, like, the long ears and that kind of stuff. Very, like, fair skin and everything. Doppelgangers are what we fought. They're, like, blue, vaguely humanoid. That's what I was picturing. But it's also not a changeling. No. Such confusion. Yeah. You got, like, five things. I'll do the same thing. Yeah. We're starting off easy to understand. So, like, different personas I have, like... John, you brought up an interesting thing the other day. Like, you know, I could be like, I could look like one of my previous characters, see Dungeon Boy season one and two, Arlo. But I can't because he's a size smaller. So I have to stay within like the same size class. But I can like, you know, gain and lose mass and things like that. Like I can, I can change within that size range. So. Nice. Yeah. Like, it couldn't be like, what's the next size? Like a Goliath or something? I couldn't be a Goliath. So. You can be a Goliath. They're on the edge of. Medium. medium. Really? Yeah. Oh, you, it's game on then. Let's do this. You play as a uh, large creature. Right. Because that's so, And that's the other half of it is um, my stats don't change. So, like, 
whether I look like a frail little old lady or like a big beefy bruiser, like I still have the same stats. Mm. So it's just um, it's just an appearance type thing. So tell us about where what what's mixed deal in general? Does he have a, a, a history? Basic history of it is is they lived in like a little small, not even like a town, more like a, like a village. Like didn't even have a name to it. Um, just like a community of, of shapeshifters, and that's usually how they are. They live in like little small communities where they can kind of stick to themselves. Um, and doggone necromancer fella came through. Army of zombies just, you know, that was it. And lost lost uh, a lot of friends and things like that. And, you know, the basics of how I became the, the warlock class is I wanted to find them and try to end them. And the uh, the Raven Queen, which the Raven Queen warlock, his or uh, her thing is they are very against anything that's like undead. It's just unnatural. So, uh, that is their whole deal is they're trying to like put an end to like any undead, especially like intelligent undead. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Raven Queen like saw what I was trying to do and was like, hey, let me help you out with that. So, boom, Warlock class right there. There you go. There you go. Cool. All right. Jordan Simple. Is that enough for you, sir? Oh, hey. Yeah, but the people at home will tell us if it was enough or not, I guess. That'll work. I assume that they're, that they're, Interests are, are are just perfectly wet. Their appetites are, are wet for more Mick. I did forget to point out the different personas they have are for different situations. So, like, if you're, like, negotiating, like, haggling and stuff like that over, like, I'm trying to sell some stuff, trying to buy stuff, they'll have a different personality than they would, like, if they were, like, about to go into combat or, like, just their, their casual, like, I'm walking around talking to people kind of form. So. Like your old man. Yeah, could be an old man. Yes, when we start, when we start the campaign, your persona is, as we've been told, I believe, off microphone, is an old man. Yep, that is just his his default. Like, hey, I'm trying to be unimposing. I'm just trying to go like unnoticed. I'm just trying to like, just trying to get into this thing. So, Venus, would you like to tell us know. about uh, your? Uh... Sure. Sure. Uh, I am Zenith. I play Mr. Man. Um, full name is Missing Prince of the Mountain Plain. He is a uh, Tabaxi boy. Um, if you were to pull up Tabaxi in the um, player's handbook, you'd have the perfect picture of him. He's just, just basic Tabaxi, like nothing super special about him. He wears kind of like raggedy clothes because he's just. Tabaxi's whole deal is that um, they live in these secluded tribes that, um, you know, they don't like to leave unless, you know, they send out their young, kind of, to, like, go and experience and mature and and pick up lore and stories and news about the um, uh, outside world, and then they bring it back. So, uh, that's kind of what he's doing. He's just walking around. He's, you know, just getting stories, just just trying to figure things out and bring it back to his tribe. Cool class. Uh, no, yeah, so he's a rogue, um, and that's, like, they have very specific, they're, I mean, they're, they're based off of cats, obviously, tabaxis are just giant cats, so, um, one thing about them is, like, they, they prize lore over almost any connection that they form, right, so, um, Prince in particular, he's got this flaw where if someone offers him information, like he's he's willing to negotiate kind of anything for it. Mm. Um, 
And then, so, like, the rogue yeah, I aspect... Yeah, make it. Information is information. Tabaxi, like, in the description it says that they'll, like, they'll see this, like, gem or this priceless artifact or whatever, and they don't necessarily care about that, but they'll spend, like, a week or, like, a month preparing to steal it or, or just take it, and then as soon as they have it and as soon as they've um, satisfied that curiosity, they'll just, like, throw it in a ditch. Because that's not, like, they don't really care about earthly possessions or anything. They're just, they're all about finding that lore, satisfying their um, their curiosity and moving on. So that's kind of, um, that'll, that leads well into the whole carnival thing. You know what we'll they say, later. curiosity kills the cat. But satisfaction brought him back. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So. Necromancy. Very good. <laughs> Josh's character, not, 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 not a big fan of this. No, no. We, we gotta have some words. Yeah. Have some words. Um, that would be like a be like a stripper necromancer named Satisfaction. Satisfaction brought him back. <laughs> um, no. Bring out the necro dancers. <laughs> TM. Uh, no, no real Not tragic backstory yeah. for uh, for Prince. He just it was just his time, you know, to leave his village, um, and he, he kind of went on, you know, about his way. Um, the name is a little interesting so they they have like the tribe name is technically like of the mountain plain like that's how you know he's of the mountain plain tribe um and they they, they get that very cleverly so um it's location 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 his tribe is near a mountain and there's a plane over there that's what that's how it works okay um and he the the individual name is missing prince that's his name um, of the Walmart parking lot, right? <laughs> that comes from like his specific traits. So like he's a he's like a little sneaky boy, you know. So he would kind of disappear, and people couldn't find him. That's where it comes from, like missing Prince, not like princes and royalty, right? But Prince with a T. Prince with a T. Still, there's still a C E, but that follows. That's after. <laughs> um, and that's that's about it. He's just he's just out there collecting that lore. Trying to trying to get some info. He, he starts every sentence with "Dearly beloved." <laughs> That's a Prince joke for anybody listening. It's a I, Prince I joke. Get it. John, save me! <laughs> <laughs> I am John, playing the Bugbear Ranger. He is from a small village of elves. Uh, the elder actually saved me from. I was basically just a lost child, so. It basically just saved me from starvation and being killed. Sure. He is Eric, the Bugbear Ranger. Okay. But he comes from this small village of elves, and it's actually gone because a raid of big, huge army of orcs attacked it, and he was the only one that survived because he's a stealthy boy. Bugbears are proficient with stealth, so... That's why he was the only person. Bugbears are? Yeah, they're really? proficient with stealth. That makes, I mean, I guess, blending in, in the forest. Yeah. So now his kind of like side quest is to get revenge, and then his main quest is to find his lost thing that he doesn't know. Like, right. he feels like he lost something. Gotcha. And that's why he's at the carnival. Eric is a bugbear. Picture the Sasquatch from a Goofy movie, mm-hmm. but with some pretty cool like leather armor, a couple of some gauntlets, a uh, a a frown not maybe not frowning, but a never smiling countenance, which we'll we'll get to later. But he's got long ears, lots of hair. He's a cool looking dude. I would love I'd love to 
to have a pint with that with that fella, for sure. John was creating his character, and I'm like, okay, so he's got like the bow thing, big fella, covered in hair, very confident in what he does. That's Chewbacca. <laughs> he's actually proficient with most stuff except for charisma. He's average at that. Okay. It's just a plain old ten. There you go. All right, Bryce, bringing up the rear. I will do it. I am Bryce. I previously played Jack Law in our last campaign, but this time around, I'm playing Rusty, the Goblin Artificer. I was born in a regular Goblin tribe, and I got lost somewhere along the line. And at a very young age, I was picked up by an exiled dwarf named Uriel. Uriel was exiled from his tribe because he was not the normal type of armorer. He was not making stuff that dwarves would consider dwarvish. He was making things like in a gnomish way, tinkering and doing clockwork stuff, magitech stuff. So he was exiled and he wanted an apprentice that he could pass on all of his information to. And I have been learning the ways of making specialty armors. And I will eventually, whenever I've figured out the way to make the perfect armor, I will specialize into the armorer class of artificer. Excellent. What's he, any, any special looks? Any special? Visibly. Uh, number one, his name is Rusty because he was like an infant when he was lost and he does not remember his own name. So he goes by Rusty because whenever in episode one they asked what his name was, he looked down at the chainmail armor that he has not taken off in probably weeks and noticed that around the pits and crotch and man boobs there were big rusty stains. Uh, rusty does not smell good. He is not pleasant to be around in any way. He has a negative charisma score and uh, for reasons we will get to he has zero social graces because he is unconcerned with what people think of him. And unconcerned with danger. Yes, and also, I mean, he's lived in a cave for the past 60-something years by himself. Goblins tend to live to be 60 at a maximum. He is 65 years old. He is a very old goblin. Yeah. That is, I forget about that whenever we were playing. I yeah, forgot he, about that. that he has surpassed uh, his best if used by date. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's just hes just not a, not a pleasant guy to be in the same room with. That's right. So we have Mick, Prince... Eric and Rusty. And so the hook for this campaign is that this carnival only comes every eight years. Uh, and for each of these characters, whether it was a big moment, but it seems like for everyone probably it was an almost negligible part in their history, right? Uh, it's This carnival is not around for long, comes around every eight years. So each one of these characters are, are connected by a common experience in their past. Maybe not had at the same time, but an experience that they all had for the briefest of moments. They all, for one reason or another, found themselves inside the witch-like carnival uh, without buying their way in. Um, we have not uncovered exactly why that was. It doesn't really matter. At some point, that is what happens. Heck, Rusty could have met his exiled dwarf. He may have wandered into the carnival and met his exiled dwarf there. You know, stuff like that. But at some point, these, all these, all four characters in the past found themselves in the witch-like carnival for the briefest of moments without a ticket. Uh, and now, in their old age, in their adolescence, 
at least eight years hence, if not many more, if not 16 or 32, uh, they find that the Witchlight Carnival has returned. They almost feel a magical draw to it. They feel as though they have lost something. They remember losing something now. Something metaphysical for a lot of them. Eric remembers the like it was yesterday whenever he lost the ability to smile and laugh. Po after leaving the carnival that, that he was there, he found that he could not smile and laugh anymore. And now that you know he learned to live with it it wasn't a big deal he's been exiled he's not exiled he's been in the woods for a long long time you know his 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 uh camp his town had been destroyed not a whole lot to laugh and smile about when you're alone in the forest anyway his hair grew out his, covers his eyes yep <laughs> all these things but for all these reasons it, you know, bracelets the 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 <laughs> loss was blunted but now that the carnival is back it feels like the very first day he lost this thing and he feels magically drawn to the carnival hoping that he can find this thing that he lost mick uh you know at one point realized that he had lost a memory at, at this carnival uh and learned to live with it again and now we are back the carnival is back and he feels magically drawn to try to find this memory that he lost. Missing Prince of the Mountain Plain. One thing about Tabaxi is that eventually they return home. Yeah. And when they, they're about not middle aged, but once they hit about like thirty to forty ish. Which is coincidentally he's like thirty seven around about this time in Prince's life, but he realizes he no longer remembers how to travel home and he feels as though at his in his foray at the carnival many years ago he lost that and now he is returned looking for this metaphysical thing as if drawn magically back he was to the just carnival. A little boy when they took it from him. <laughs> just a little boy. And then Rusty falling headlong out of his I... cave after an explosion, right? Yeah, so uh, I was tinkering along in my cave when uh, I, did, I done did something wrong and blew her up. <laughs> and realizing now, back as a part of the world, he realizes he lost his sense of danger and at the carnival. For someone who's trying to design the perfect set of armor, he realizes that's holding him back quite a bit. <laughs> exactly. When you don't know what it is to be afraid, it's kind of hard to protect yourself. This is absolutely true, and so with logic as well as a magical draw, he too found finds himself in line at the Witchlight Carnival, concerned, confused, and magically drawn to try to find this thing that he lost. So, the hook of the Wild Beyond Witchlight, at least for us, is that each of the characters has lost something, all of them metaphysical, whether it be the you know a, an ability to do something, a memory, the knowledge of how to get home or a sense of danger, they are all missing something and they feel like that magical uh, hole in their heart where a piece of them should exist that has flared up in them and they are magically drawn to get in line and see if they can find that lost thing in the wild, or excuse me, in the Witchlight Carnival. And that is where our story will begin. Our story will begin in the line to buy tickets for the Witchlight Carnival. Uh, as and our characters will stand there looking at the wonder of the carnival, not knowing what awaits them inside, but they will be prepared for hopefully anything. With any luck, our story won't also end in the ticket line. With any luck. <laughs>
Uh, but the, the the campaign is called The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So that's how we we'll go beyond yeah, it. <laughs> one could assume that hopefully our adventure does not end in the Witchlight Carnival, but we somehow find our way beyond it. Spilled over. But do you guys have anything else that we should mention before we wrap up episode zero? Get, I think everybody's got plenty of information to get to the start of with the campaign. I feel like I'm good. Welcome back. Yeah. Hey. It's been yeah. several months. If you've been if you've been um, if you've been waiting, um, I've specifically dog lover. No, you might be out there. Hopefully, uh, Travis. Travis, uh, one of my old college friends, hangs out on the Twitch channel a little bit. Has been talking about catching up on Dungeon Boys. So, if there's just the two of you out there, but hopefully there's one or two more. We, we work hard at the Twitch channel to, to, just to push people here. Uh, no, but thank you guys for, if you're listening to this, if you made it all the way through Session Zero. Session One, I think, is a lot of fun. I think everyone will agree that our time at the ticket counter hanging out with the guy selling tickets was pretty humorous. Um, but we are now going to end this recording session and go play the game that you will hear later on. Into the future. We go. (laughs) We should travel into the future by several months. But thank you so much for listening to episode zero. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter to get information about the campaign or, you know, whatever, or you want to contact me via Twitter at Tank Media Games, you can find me. Eventually, when the rest of these people get on public social medias, if ever, you can find them there. But for now, I kind of handle all of our contact with the outside world. You can also email us stuff, uh, tankmediagames at gmail.com. There's an outside world? There is. Really? There is an outside world. We keep me locked in this basement. I also had like. Um, I be- can't imagine. Before uh, the players become self-aware, we're going to end this episode and go play D&D. Thank you so much for listening. We love you very much. My leg's cramping. Toodles. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>